I don't know fans of the wrestling world and other sports, but only thing we actually really care about is wrestling. This is the RSN Wrestling Podcast, the only wrestling podcast that's going. How many years is it now? Six, seven years strong. Five, five. <laughs> yeah, too many, too many years. Five long. We're doing it for too long. Yep. Oh God, he just said seven, and now we have to downplay it to five. But we're still better than the majority of you guys out there. But we love All you. All of them. All of them. We're going five years strong. This is the RSMSM podcast. This is the big guy, Rich. We also have Bow the Mastermind. What's up, guys? And we have the man of many titles and hats, Nicholas Jason Lopez. Top of the morning, gents. Today's episode of the RSM Wrestling Podcast, we're covering stage setups, I guess you could say. What's the proper terminology? Entrance? Uh, best staging or, or uh, stages. Basically, all right, let's break it down a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll step in. Um, so back in the heyday, in the 90s or the early 2000s, you had your pay-per-view events, so and most weekly television shows. So every show had a unique stage setup that would almost contribute to the enjoyment or the disappointment of said show. Um, there's some iconic ones, like Raw had the giant rectangular Titantron. SmackDown had the, the Fist. Um, Ash at the Beach had Sand. Uh, Backlash had the Spinning Hook. Uh, Armageddon, I believe, had like a, a fireplace display at one point. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down our... We're, we're going to go around the table, because I don't know why there's a table, but we're, we're sitting at a table. We're sitting at a table. Shut up. Uh, we're we're, we're going to just go around and, and just kind of talk for the time being about, uh, you know... What does a stage add to a wrestling show? Uh, our favorite stages, least favorite, and go from there. Yeah, I like that idea. Sounds good. So, um, with that being said, does uh, anybody want to start off? Uh, when you think of wrestling stages, what do you think of? Well, I think we all have uh, Go ahead, Sal. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. So, I was going to say, like, when we talk about wrestling stages, of course, I think it's like, it sets, I guess, the tone for uh, the program, I guess. Or, like, in this case, let's say, like, like, not just the whole pay-per-view, but not the whole event, but just, like, certain matches and stuff like that. So, like, I mean, of course, we're probably going to talk about different stages and different sets and why we think those things stand out. But I think when we tie it to that, like, if you look at, like, let's say, post-19, this is 1980, end of 80s into 90s, Vince is standing in front of the U.S., you know, Supreme Court, and they're talking about, oh, you know, you know, we're going to tax you guys, you know, you guys are, you know, basically a sports entity, why are you guys using steroids? And Vince got away by saying, you know, hey, listen, we're not a sports entity, we're a sports entertainment entity, taxes like that, we want to be taxed like that. And so I think that's what kind of brought in that whole thing where it's like, okay, now everything is basically entertainment-based. 
Attitude Era, hence started that whole thing. Instead of just being wrestling matches or quote unquote just you know fights, let's say it's actual like programs or some substance or some other stuff. There's a there's an event, there's an idea with it and all that stuff. But when you look at it, I think one of the big things that stands out to me is if you look at I think we always talk about this being that now so of course the season WrestleMania talk about it all the time different sets different things from the first one to the last always something different so that kind of sticks out to me but what kind of events kind of sticked out to you guys and why um well i'll suck then uh in terms of wrestlemania i think uh for some reason the x7 stage really stood out to me it was just kind of like this uh tower of like screens and you had, like, flashy graphics, and uh, uh, one end of the screen was a picture of one competitor, and the other end of the screen was the other competitor. That was, like, one of the first few times, like, they actually tried that out. Um, everybody remembers Taker's iconic entrance, uh, where he actually had a really, really long ramp, so he could go down the motorcycle at full speed. So that was something that always kind of stuck out to me. Uh, the the hardcore match, the three-way hardcore match between Raven, uh, Big Show, and Kane, that went all over the stage, backstage. Actually, fun fact, um, there was a spot where Kane uh, rode on the back of a golf cart that Raven was driving uh, with the referee uh, riding on the back, and Raven tries to get away, but Kane steers him into a fence. Fun fact is, they were a couple of feet away from cutting off the power supply to the whole entire building. Had Raven crashed a couple of feet, or a couple of inches ahead of where he did, it would have knocked out the whole power for the whole building for the rest of the night. So, tiny little mistake could have changed the outcome of WrestleMania 17. So, just always think about that. And I bring it up because the end of the match actually ends on the stage. Like, they fall off uh, the ramp and they go into this, like, pyro kit or some kind of storage area. And that's where the match ends. It was just one of the first iconic... Like, when you think of WrestleMania se uh, X7, does the stage not come to mind? The Sky Dome of all places, right? That was the Sky Dome, right? Or in Toronto? That was in uh, that was in Houston. That was the Astrodome. Houston, yes, the Astrodome. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Let me get confused with that. It kind of got almost the know, following year. It, it seems like it's. I know that probably that WrestleMania, nineteen, I think eighteen and nineteen, were all like a similar kind of setup. I think that's where it started changing, like from this whole arena setup to like an actual like full, like I would say like a football stadium esque type. You know, I guess that's where the transition started. Where it started going to more like a big extravagant thing and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like it was pretty I interesting. I do miss, um, I do miss uh, the old uh, MSG pay per view setup where it would be a, uh, they would use the revolving doors as kind of like this split video screen, and that's how they would come out. Royal Rumble 2000, though, was pretty iconic, in my opinion. Yeah. I think there was a couple. That one, yeah. you had a, 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 an actual taxi. Um, it was just kind of, it looked like, uh, like a disheveled road. Um, there were bricks, <laughs> there were like broken bricks, yeah. it, it's a, a trash can. It just looked like really run down. And, um, if you remember the Hardys and Dully Boys, uh, tables match, 
uh, Hardy actually leaps from the top of, uh, of the other side, not the stage itself, but, you know, they're wrestling around where, like, the, the taxi cab was and over around there. So that was just, like, one of the stages that stood out to me. Uh, the backlash, swinging hooks was something that I always look forward to. I don't know. It's just, like, when in, in the old days, when you used to tune into a pay-per-view, and the only time this really happens now is WrestleMania, with the exception of this year, obviously, because of the coronavirus outbreak. But every show used to have its own unique uh, stage setup, so it, it added to the factor, like, oh, shit, I, I got to tune in. I got to see this. I got to see what this is going to look like. And, you know, slowly but surely, over the years, it's kind of gone away. WWE soon began to adopt one specific uh, stage that would be a basic LED screen. And it would be universal for several years. So every show would kind of feel the same. If nothing would have a feel to it, it, it unless it had like a really, really good match on the card. Um, so that's something that I do miss about the old days. WCW is very known for this as well. Um, if you guys remember the Monday Nitro stage, I think was way ahead of its time. You had the giant WCW letter. You had the even the setup of like where the broadcast table was. Um, the camera work was really well done. Um, they had the video screens. Obviously, they were one of the first companies to start that out. And then, uh, obviously, Raw and SmackDown through the years have undergone different stage makeovers. Raw had the, the, the giant rectangular uh, Titantron. Then it had the rhombus-shaped Titantron. Uh, SmackDown had the fist. Uh, it also had the the circular, uh, the little circles. Yeah. Rhino actually gored Chris Jericho through mm-hmm. before they debuted the fist. Um, uh, they kind of brought it back a little bit, the circles. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, when you think of shows, the, the stage setup is almost very synonymous. You know, it, it, it helps get over the, the tone of what the show is going to be. That's right. And uh, WrestleMania is always something that they always bring above and beyond. Um, I remember the one for 35. Was it 35 or the one before that? It was just like a really elaborate stage that was just looked so, you know, out of this world. It was the one at New Day um, with the long-ass ramp. I think it might have been two or three WrestleManias ago. It might have been 32 or 33. I think it was 33. WrestleMania 33. That's the one that the that the Hardys made their return in. Yeah. And it was the, uh, a humongously long ramp, which, like, it, it looked like if you would fall off the, the end of it, like, yeah. it, that's it. It would be over. Yeah. Like, it was like a, like a, I guess a roller coaster kind of thing they had been going on that year. I think I remember. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of like, you know, it's, and, and this is one of the things I noticed, too. Every WrestleMania, they've tied it to everything that goes on in the press conference. So when they had a press conference for, I think it was 32 or 33, they announced the city. And it's every year, so always a bidding war. So, like, one city would be like, no, 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 we're getting WrestleMania. Another city would be like, we're getting WrestleMania. Of course, it comes down to money. But then when they actually get the final say, they try to tie it in with that. Like, you saw 30, or was it 21? 21 was in Hollywood. Right now, 37 is about to be in Hollywood also. Same thing, California. They made it themed around that. So it kind of seems like, you know, it's not just what's going on, you know, in the program-wise and the wrestling world, but then also what's going on outside of the world. What's going on there? What is it tied to? And they kind of make it kind of like a gimmicky kind of thing where it's like, okay, this is the environment. We're going to make it. If they make a WrestleMania in, like, I don't know, 
Like, if we talk about, of course, like overseas, they're going to probably tie it to something around that theme, you know? So it's kind of like the same kind of thing. Like, this is how we just tag these WrestleManias. And we always talk about it. You talk about 35, you know, you stick to it, or, you know, you're like, okay, that's something that kind of sticks to it, the big screen. You talk about 33, the whole roller coaster, that sticks in your mind. So I think it's kind of like creating these moments, but at the same time, it's kind of like there's something, you know, that you kind of attach to. But it's kind of like landmarks, I would say. Like, there's something that you can remember, something that you can kind of attach to and say, this is and, what ties and, don't, and don't forget, they've actually used the stages as part of, of, of various spots. Um, way back when, I, uh, Shane McMahon used to fall off the stage structures half, half the time in the Attitude Era. He fell off the one in SummerSlam 2000, Steve Blackman. He leaped off, I believe it was Backlash, he leaped off that, that same kind of... Uh, Tall pillar at, uh, on to end a match. I, I think with like one of the Hardys or Jeff Hardy or, or one of those. Like he, he leaped off one of those pillars to end the match. Did like an elbow drop. Did a leg drop one time. The big uh, leaped off of the R in Raw on an episode of Raw one time in the Attitude. Uh, and like early in the in like the ECW Invasion episode uh, from the Monday Night Wars. In uh, '97, I believe. Yeah. I think so, also, and, and, yeah. and don't forget, um, even even in more modern days, like Jeff Hardy did a swanton bomb off the off the top of the raw stage. Yeah. Hell, Jeff Owens. Owens. Yeah. Um, in like two, like a few months back, Kevin Owens did like uh, he ran up the. Uh, like it kind of looks like a half pipe. Yeah. The current raw stage. He, he he literally ran up there and, and jumped off of it. Yeah. It he was, incorporated it into a spot. Yeah. It's probably one of those things I think was like, I mean, we talk about location, the time also. I think one of the big things also is just the time period. Like you see every time as they come up with something new, they're going to keep trying to adding into the stage. I mean, if you look at all the histo- like the stages that they had from like way, way back from the 80s to now, there's always been something they've added into a new element. Like I know, I think in the 80s, the first... Uh, I think first few events, they just had like big colored lettering. That was probably the first like most innovative thing they've ever done. Before it was just like a curtain, and that's it. It was just like people walk out of it and wrap. That's it. But then you had things like a WrestleMania where I think it was WrestleMania three or four, where they had like Andre the Giant sitting on like a like a carriage, I guess, and they would take him to the ring and all that stuff. And the theme was like that. You're like, okay, all the wrestlers will be there on like a ramp or something like that. You think about let's say like Shawn Michaels getting ziplined down into the um into the arena. I think it was WrestleMania six or seven. That was the one with Brett. That you know, again, memorable stuff when you look at it. But I think it's one of those things where you kind of look at it and you go, okay, this is what's you know, it kind of ties the event together. But yeah, it's one of those things too. I think where it's you know, if you're looking at all the different events that have gone on, there's always something that you can attach it to. I mean, how many times have we looked at the ruthless aggression era and what really, what's the first thing that ties to your mind? The fist. Smackdown fist. You look at it, you're like, damn, man, that's like that's the hallmark of everything. That's like all your memories right there. When you look at that, you go, holy shit, this is what I remember. And you think about all the different names. You think about Cena's push. You think about Batista. You think about Taker and, you know, Batista back in the Ruthless Aggression era. You think about, you know, Brock Lesnar in 2003. Those things are attached to that. But the thing is like little landmarks that kind of add on. And you kind of like go, oh, this is something that kind of attaches me onto this. It's kind of like a memory or like a landmark for you, you know. Um, but let me ask you this. Let's let's talk about pay-per-views outside of the United States. So we're beyond just WWE, but then also other other shows also. 
talk about let's say things like the UK pay-per-views. So all the the this is like early two thousands, insurrection, I think rebellion. There's probably like another a couple of other like tours or shows that they had that they televised. I forgot, but uh, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Like insurrection, the big you know thing that they did where it's like the they made a part of the entrance. The the letters were made into this thing, you know, and it kind of stuck up to it. The graphics were all stuck into there, you know. And that kind of resonated with that specific kind of setup there. Rebellion, same thing. You look at it, you go, holy, you know, this is just a UK tour. But then beyond that, they actually parlayed it into an actual program. That made sense. But let me ask you guys this. Like, for you guys, with certain eras, are there certain stages that stick to your mind? Yeah. <laughs> um, Fully Loaded had the, the dice, if I remember, in 2000. Uh, the stage for SummerSlam 2001 was pretty iconic. It, it was like a circle with like the the SummerSlam logo and then another circular uh, screen. Um, Invasion was pretty cool. Uh, that that had like the like the crossroads kind of stage with like the X. Yeah. Um, if you remember the RVD Jeff Hardy hardcore match, they believe actually stole the show that night. Um. RVD actually did a Van Terminator on Hardy that with a chair that knocked him off the stage. I, I think that's how they ended the match, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there's always dramatic moments too, I guess, right? I'm always thinking of, uh, in particularly, uh, in particular, uh, the years 2000, 2001, and maybe a little bit of 2002, but 2000 and 2001. Those were years that a lot of emphasis was put on presentation, and you know every show had its own unique setup. So yeah. that was the kind of that was kind of the cool thing about it. Yeah. And nowadays, I just wish we kind of had more of that instead of just the same universal LED screen. Yeah. I think but let's talk about other companies too. Ring of Honor. Uh, way back when it used to just be a, a, a singular curtain. Once they started to develop a little bit, it became like a, a curtain behind a gate. And then once it really developed, they got like their own elaborate stage with video screens, giant stuff. Uh, you know, kind of looks big league. Um, uh, Wrestle Kingdom from New Japan. That's always got a giant elaborate. And then back to old school Raws, the New Age Outlaws versus Cactus Jack and Terry Funk when they locked Funk and. Cactus Jack in the dumpster. It's one of those things I think. That was in '99, I believe. Yeah. I think they had a lot of these matches. Uh, where, I yeah. think so. Yeah, it was '99. '99, probably. I think towards See, the end. A lot end, of the yeah. old school shows had better setups. further to WCW, Hogwild, the whole Sturgis setup, unfortunately uh, Halloween Havoc 2000 had a decent stage, and uh, yeah, actually something that uh, WCW did start, uh, if you remember, it used to play to its settings. Um, Hogwild actually used to take place at the Sturgis uh, rallies, so it would get, um, yeah, 
you you would have like a biker crowd and it would just it would just totally be catered to that kind of thing. Uh, Bash at the Beach would have like volleyballs and sand. The announcers would be wearing cabana wear. Bathing um, suits on the females. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know like the states was always something that I always looked forward to as a fan like in the Attitude Era. Like, it, it was part of the reason why I wanted to tune into a pay-per-view. I, I just had to take a glance at the stage. I had to see what it was going to look like. Especially like, from I, the big four. Yeah. yeah, especially from the big four. Yeah. Like, and, well, back then it was big five. It's just funny because um, if you remember 1999, there, it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really known for elaborate stages. Uh, Royal Rumble 99 was just a simple out of it and I had like one leg. King of the Ring 98 had a similar setup to it. Um it wasn't until Well King of the never really had like a outstanding stage. It was just the throne. Yeah. So I, I'd say once two thousand came around that's when they started building these huge elaborate stages that I think went all the way to like two thousand four, two thousand five, maybe even two thousand eight. But once they once they started becoming high definition, they just stuck to one specific LED friendly stage. That the only thing would change would be the graphics on the screens. Like, That's what it seemed like. Which is ironic because we had some of the best wrestling in that time uh, in WWE. You know, but there wasn't anything outside of it. Like, don't forget, during that time, you had uh, Jericho and HBK. Um, that, fantastic that was a great year. rivalry. That was a very yeah. good rivalry. Um, could it have been, you know, uh, it's probably one of those feuds that didn't need to rely on presentation or anything like that. It was just yeah, good two of the organically best performers. in and of itself. And don't forget, you also had, like, CM Punk emerging. Uh, Is that when Jericho Punk? actually punched uh, Sean's wife by accident? Yeah. Yes, legitimately. Uh, he actually talks about it in the book. I, I think it was called Undisputed. It was... Um, it, uh, I'm not to say like he sandbagged her or potatoed her. Like He actually... He, he meant to hold back. And he actually connected with her. And so what you see there is an actual legitimate punch. Be like that. He was supposed to lean into it. And he went too aggressively, and she leaned in too much. <coughs> so what ended up happening was it, it was a, a, an actual shiner. So it that. is, you know, it is. Yeah, it is crazy how that happened. Um, even just like Raw and SmackDown, uh, ECW had its own thing. Uh, they, it, the, the state setup used to be like this curtain. And uh, people used to come out of it. Then, once it became high definition, well, actually, NXT has always had a simple stage. It's uh, never had any elaborate stages, maybe with the exception of uh, of Takeover, but not even Takeover. Just the uh, entrances. Did the, the Arnold Classic. It was different because they came down from like a a step. But it, there wasn't any actual like big uh, stages or anything like that. It was just uh, 
It could work because if you if if you put too much emphasis on how pretty the stage is and the actual matches on the card suck, you're not gonna remember the show either way. I think it's, it's like also, WrestleMania. Yeah. It's not the stage; it's the entrances. Yeah, but I think it's also a matter of the money too. Like if you look at it, it's oh uh, shit! Yeah. Look who's back! <laughs> oh, he's back from the dead. A lot of technical difficulties. I can tell you that, folks. A lot right. of technical he difficulties. Made his big entrance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big entrance, right? Well, that's it's another a, it's, right a, it's, a, it's all right. So me and Rich have been carrying the match. I know, I know. I've seen, I've seen. I've been hearing. But I mean, it's kind of one of those things. I think what to add on to you guys' point, it's about money too. I think that's what really comes down to. If you look at ROH, you look at all the different companies. It all came down to money. WWE is big production house. They have all this money and stuff like that. They can take advantage of that. But you know, like I think they even said, like all these big stages, the big setups, like the SmackDown fist and all that stuff, the big screens. It cost them a lot of money. So for them, it wasn't economical. I think in twenty. Especially the time trance. Yeah, like in twenty fourteen, when they rebranded their whole company, I think they said financially they had to go ahead and take some stuff out. That was not just like spring cleaning and taking out like uh, talent and all stuff, but then also in terms pyro. of like yeah, like the pyro that take that out completely. That was a famous thing too. Yeah, and then also in terms of like the stage, they had to go ahead and make it into something that was more affordable, but at the same time it was minimalistic and it was just easy to set up and it could be universal. So, especially with the advent of technology, like LED lights, makes a big difference. So then they ended up going ahead and starting doing this whole thing. We're like, okay, let's just put it up there. Fancy colors, you know, all this stuff, you know. We could definitely make our own graphics even better. And now we have a full production show. And now this is eco-friendly, so the new Daniel Bryan would be very upset. He definitely would be. Definitely would be. I think it's also one of those things where it's like, again, less power for them. So probably, you know. Less money, you know, they, they they probably have less, like, I guess, light bills or something like that. But beyond that, I mean, we look at it and I think it just connects us to those things. Like, when we look at certain things, it connects us to those shows. Like, like when we look at, like, you know, we're talking about 33, that whole roller coaster thing that tied up with us. We're like, okay, you know what, that's something that's memorable, you know? But now it's like, you know, if they don't have that, how can you connect to it? Would you guys, I mean, here's one thing I would say. So, I mean, beyond that, I mean, would you guys agree that, like, let's say there's a need, let's say for the stages, right? Would they need to make it as extravagant as possible or should it just be something that's more, like, gimmicky? Like, for example, like, Judgment Day was just, you know, Judgment Day. But then when you see all these different characters and stuff like that, the whole card lineup, it seemed like that one stage fit for certain people, you know? Well, um, here's, here's my take on it. I think it should add to the presentation value, and uh, I think when done well, it, it can add to the enjoyment of the show, and it, it actually helps get over the theme without the announced team being like, oh my god, Dash at the Beach, this is going to be a, a slobber knocker of the volleyball contest. It's going to be a bash. Yeah. You know, or, or you know, if you, if, 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 if you see a big elaborate stage, it kind of tells the person watching show oh hey this is a pretty big deal you know they, they went into a lot of thought went into putting this together you know maybe this will actually be a really good show you know because if they put the thought into the stage they probably put a lot of thought into the show itself so why not and i like the little nuances of uh of like the dice on fully loaded the the swinging anchors of backlash every every show had its own little niche and it kind of helped separate shows from each other. Once, yeah, once WWE kind of adopted the 
uh, high definition screen gone with that where all the I you know each show having its own identity is Raw's felt like the same Smackdown felt like the same that's right uh, all the pay-per-views felt the same nearly with the exception of really Mania and was WrestleMania that was it yeah and the Rumble yeah and the Rumble and now, and nowadays, like me, uh, the Rumble is as big as WrestleMania almost. It's six hours long. Um, you know, but uh, they don't have the Raw after Mania. They don't have the Raw after the Rumble. But sometimes the Raw after SummerSlam is known for being notoriously good. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, and again, it kind of again sets up that whole mood, I guess. Right, so we want to try to add into that, like especially when they do like theme episodes, let's say like an anniversary show or something like that, something to kind of get you, I guess, excited for the show. Like you talk about, let's honest, say, I like the, the, only, I like the, the Raw, only Raw exception. Back. Yeah, like the old yeah. school Raws, yeah, those are pretty good. I like, yeah, I like the, yeah that would be the only exception would be the old school Raws, because that was actually, that was actually pretty cool, you know, you don't really see a lot. The ref had the blue shirt, Yeah, it was a metal barricade. Mm-hmm. Talk about now tables, actually tables, yeah. Yeah, like the tables were actual tables, not like, you know, big overgrown, you know, setups. Like it was an actual table and monitors. The only thing monitors. that felt a little weird was they actually had iPads. Yeah, like they had iPads there and everything. It was kind of they, like... They could have actually went old school and do like two of the monitors. Yeah. I think what was really what set that setup apart was the fact that it just kind of brought back you know, it's kind of a nostalgia effect, I guess, because even like the ring, the ring was the ropes were the color. You know, the I think it was the the red, yellow, the red, um, yellow and blue. I think it was, but it was like pretty simple, pretty you know, like you know, basic stuff. You know, rudimentary, just like small. What you should do, Sal, since I know you, I think you said you started getting into wrestling after the, like the invasion. I yeah. believe you said yeah, correct. Yeah. Two thousand one, two thousand two, probably. Yeah. What you should do. I don't know if you still are subscribed, but you could also just go to PWO.com because, you know, Nick has almost every show known to man. Yeah. So it'll be a good read for you. Yeah, definitely. But you should actually go back and watch the old school Raws. Old school, yeah. I'm trying to, like, I mean, that's one of the things. I think one of the things that separates one of the old school Raws was the fact that, like, between, like, you know, you're talking about Sabu falling off the R and Raw and all that stuff. It, it, it kept changing, but they kept holding on to some of the old stuff and some of the, you know, things that were still there. It wasn't until, like, probably 2001, 2002, where they had the whole chain link set up and everything like that. Raw's War kind of set up, and then after that, just kind of switched it from there. But now it's kind of like, you know, like, if, if you look, let's say, 20 years in the future at Raw, probably it's not going to be the same. I mean, you're probably looking at it and go, damn, wrestling was much better back in the day. And I think that's really what the mentality is now, like, Especially when people look at wrestling now, they're like, oh, wow. It's not just the wrestling that's different. It's just the presentation is different. It's kind of watered down. And it's like, oh, you know what? They don't put that much thought into it. Something simple, basic. Okay, anybody can do it, you know? Hey, Nick, I have a question for you. Sure. Since I plugged your site, can you inform the fans of which Raws you have on your site? Like I have every single episode of Raw from 2015, every single episode of Raw from 2016, and the first three months of 2017. So that is a lot of Raw, folks. Um, those are three-hour shows, too. That's not an easy watch. Um, you don't have, like, the 90s? Not yet. Um, I am 
it, it is in the works. I will be reviewing some old school shows eventually down the road, so do stay tuned for that. Um, but uh, if anybody is interested, I have talked about uh, old school episodes or old episodes on uh, my 15-minute podcast intermission, uh, which every episode is available on PW as well, so if you want to check that out. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, but even in my two and a half year venture watching all the Raws, like, there were no, there were no elaborate stage setups, you know, I don't remember any much episodes from, from those, from those times, believe it or not. Just well, a little special edition episodes. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I wish they had gone ahead and actually expanded on that. I think that's when we should probably be doing too like all these old school shows we should be kind of doing an episode on that too so definitely stay tuned about that but i think it's also like you know, yeah like i think what i was really looking forward to was at the one thing that really disappointed me the smackdown i think it was the 25th anniversary the 20th anniversary that they had they um what was it a thousand episode i'm not sure but like they had the episode and everything and i everybody was talking about oh the fist is making a comeback the fist is making a comeback Oh, that happen. was the 20th anniversary, right before 2K20 came out. Exactly, exactly. So then, yeah, like, that whole... And then, of course, Fox Corner SmackDown and stuff like that. I was like, you know, that's a perfect opportunity to bring in the fist. But they didn't do that. Instead, they ended up going down, like, okay, let's just go retro, but let's just scale it up a bit. Like, really? Like, come on, man. Now you guys just brought back the circle, just the... Or, you know, oh, now it's not circles. It's, you know, it's like an obliterated sphere. Oh, my God, you know. Something new, something they new. They really should do the fist. Yeah. I think they really should have. That was an opportunity they could have done old school stuff, bringing the fist. Hell, even bring back that whole rhomboid, trapezoid, you know, screen that they have for Raw. Why not? You know, it makes sense. Like, you know, it's just kind of add on to that and just keep adding that on to it. You know, just adding the value of the show. Raw, I think it was Raw, Raw 1000, was it? They had a Raw reunion episode, like, where it was like the 25th anniversary. Same thing. They had one, I think, on uh, on the, and I think it was what, the, uh, the Manhattan Center location? Was the same as this. I mean, the Barclays was oh, all. That was Barclays yeah. Center slash Manhattan Center, Manhattan which, Center. my first opinion, was one of the worst episodes ever. That was, oh my they god. They fucked over the people at the Manhattan Center. They did, yeah. People were pissed. It was yeah, just. People were supposed to go. Yeah. I think they should have shot all that in one location or just go ahead and have the old setup at Barclays. There's probably a way that they can, they can make that work, but I guess they didn't want to do that. They're like, oh, you know what? Let's just do that in two locations just for the fuck of it. But yeah. I remember, um, everyone who went to the Manhattan Center was complaining about the show. Yeah, that's true. Because they had like, what, maybe four segments in the Manhattan Center? Yep. It might as well just be like, okay, let's watch Raw, you know? Like, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, it could have just been like a trip to the bar or something, just watch wrestling with a couple of friends, and then that's it, you know? It could have been the same thing. Like, let's just watch Raw. But they just did this on, like, a big screen and an arena. Had a couple matches and that kind of stuff. I think everybody was just picturing it as, okay, there's going to be nonstop action from two different locations. Didn't happen. People were frustrated. Why did they do that, you know? So... If I'm correct, which I think I am, because I believe I read it somewhere on Nick's website, they were falling asleep. The announcers legit fell asleep. JR and King. Really? That's frustrating. See, that's what we need to kind of look at. Can you confirm that? I want to say yes. I think there that was would, a big photo. Me. There was a photo that leaked of them sleeping. 
I think it was the anniversary episode. And I think they said JR was pretty pissed because that's the only show that like he only he literally just did three shows that year. That I think it was. I think it was a WrestleMania. And, I think and he Takeover. Did, yeah, Takeover. That's it. That's all he did in the three in the three appearances that he did that whole year. And he was frustrated because he's like, I couldn't really do anything else. So it kind of brings up that kind of whole thing where it's like now these you know these people aren't that invested, they don't care. It brings up that same old dynamic, you know. So it's kind of frustrating when you see that. But yeah, I mean, um, well, let me ask you guys this. Let's talk about this. Let's break it down in terms of best entrances, worst entrances. What are your guys' best and worst entrances? Like the the you know what in your mind is probably the best entrance for you, and what's the worst entrance in your guys' mind? Let's go with the RSN order that we got. So RSN, Rich is first, then me, and we got Nick. So Rich, tell us. My favorite all-time setup. This is the one that I was talking about with Nick. I would have to say King of the Ring 2001. The glass planes, right? The glass panes? Yeah. That's pretty memorable, yeah. Just for the fact that, like I said to Nick, it was just the fact that it got used in the Kurt Angle versus Shane match. Yeah. yeah. They incorporated it into their program, which was pretty interesting, yeah. And what about the worst? My, You guys might disagree because you guys both liked it. I didn't like the invasion entrance setup. Just for the fact there was a giant hole in the middle of the entrance. Trish and Trish and Lita almost fell off of it. It wasn't that far of a drop. Yeah, and I true, think but for a female, they could have got hurt. I mean, it's better than the SmackDown entrance, like you know where that where Dash Wilder fell. This guy tripped. Oh my god. I still remember that, man. That was iconic. That was funny. That was hilarious. But yeah. Was that like one of the last times we actually seen them? I think so. That's probably the last time. Beyond that, I think they just had a couple of like spot matches here and there. But beyond that, it's just they're not having that much on there. But yeah, I mean, um, so I mean for me. Your favorite. My favorite stage, I would say, would probably be SummerSlam 2004. So the one with the big S, and then they had the circle around it, and basically the Titan Tron was part of the SummerSlam logo. And then basically they had, I think it was like those those uh, steel uh, standstills on the side of it and all that stuff. Kind of like a throwback to the Backlash um, stage with the anchors. So I guess they kind of add that part of it. That was the one where uh, Benoit, I think, yeah, it was Benoit versus Orton. Orton won the title, youngest world champ. So that sticks out in my mind. Um... Worst for me? And your least. Least favorite? Probably would be Great Balls of Fire. Because that was the most, like, the least creative one. The name was stupid. Two, oh, they really didn't put much effort into that. They didn't put that. any fucking effort into it. The theme was just some fucking old-ass song. It was like, what the fuck? Like, really? Come on. You guys didn't put any thought into this. They just said, okay. Is that the just... one where, in the background, I think, uh... We're like, that's yeah, a picture of Sasha, and it blocked off the GR, and it just says, eat balls. Yeah, exactly. So, they just, and there was a lot of memes coming from that. They said that, like, great balls of fire. It just looks like a bunch of, you know, it looks like a, a dick and balls. Like, like testicles. Yeah, it's like testicles and balls. Yeah, that's it, it really did. 
So they really just, like, you know, and they try to cover up saying, no, no, you know, it's just part of the logo and all this other bullshit. You know, it just, yeah, again, that was just worse. It just turned me off. I was like, come on, that whole show was, was pretty good. That was, it might have been one of the worst, but it was the most entertaining. It was an entertaining show. There was a lot of good matches on that show, but the thing is... But like, I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about the whole setup. It was entertaining because everyone was making fun of it. Yeah, exactly. People were, people, and way, way back, people were making fun of it way before the pay-per-view aired, so it made sense, you know? Um, and that was the, the oh, oh uh, another one that actually comes to mind. Do you actually, do you guys remember the Taboo Tuesday uh, setup? That was actually, it kind of looked like a giant modern day Mac computer and it had the keyboard on the floor. Oh yeah, I remember that. Like yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. I think they reused And now I'm set. actually thinking back to like all, the old school action figures and like the little ramp playset you would have. Yeah. I actually have one of the Titan Tron entrances. Oh, shit. And that takes me back. Yeah. And again, that sells merchandise, too. So, again, another big reason why they should put some more thought into their entrances. Why not? You know, just make the stages into that. That way you can sell it as a, you know, to Mattel. Hey, Mattel, make these sets. Okay, sure. I'll pay 50 bucks for a set plus a couple action figures. No problem. Maybe they're just scared to commit because the stages change so frequently. It's bullshit, man. Yeah. Nick, what's your favorite entrance? Um, for me, the one that I think stands out the most would, and I think I mentioned this maybe at the beginning, but probably the WrestleMania X Seven stage. I'm not That's sure if it just it, it it fit the feel of the show, or because obviously X Seven is is up there as one of the best top to bottom WrestleManias like ever. Yeah. And it just, it, it, it was perfect for where it was. Uh, you had the, uh, basically like a giant skyscraper. And you had like uh, the WrestleMania on one end of like a large white panel. And then on the other side it said X7. And then in the middle of that you had like three giant screens. One would be like a, uh, like a video graphic. Um, the one in the middle was like the Titan Tron, and then the one up on top would would have like the fancy moving graphics. Yeah. So it was just kind of cool because um, while the matches were on, uh, on the lower end would be a picture of the match graphic itself, uh, not moving or anything. It was stationary, but um, like it, it gave you a feel of like what was it, like everything happening right now was urgent. Like you had to watch it. And, like, the middle was the Titantron one, so that was recording the action in the ring. And then uh, the one up on top was just always just having the WrestleMania on it. Which, that was that was cool. I, I dig it. Um, and I think it definitely helped add to the feel of the show. Uh, you also got the factor in the entrance ramp as well. Uh, Taker's entrance was well done. Triple H had Motorhead. The band, the band themselves actually come out and perform. Um, you got Limp Bizkit. Trying to think of some other entrances during that show. That well, that was the year with uh, Limp Bizkit, wasn't it? Or was that the next year? I believe that was 2003. 2003. In 19. That was when you did Roll and Roll and Roll. Oh, yes, yes. That was... 19, I believe. Yeah. Pretty good setup, yeah. I think, I think one thing that connects all that is just the fact that it doesn't matter how big the build-up is or what the matches are on the car is really just about like what the presentation is if they're putting thought into it if there is like a, a connection to something 
And that kind of, I think, just resonates. Like, you know, you, t- I mean, you talk just talk about all this kind of stuff. What about, let's say, like, I mean, one honorable mention. Uh, I think it was, what, November, or was it November of 2003? Uh, Survivor Series, it was Taker versus, uh, this was a setup for Taker and Kane at WrestleMania 20. That still sticks in my mind. With it was I think um with McMahon and um Taker basically a very live match that whole setup was built around that just that one match, but then it kind of extended into that whole program. So for me it's kind of like the same thing like you know with one you know there's always gonna be something that's tied to it like a landmark, and that really what's kind of solidifies the point that these stage sets are important. It kind of adds on to the feel of the show. So why not do it? You know. I think WrestleMania 21 also had a pretty underrated yeah. stage setup. If you remember, that was the one where they, quote-unquote, went Hollywood. So yeah. the matches themselves were presented on like this uh, marquee setup that had the names of all the performers. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a giant red carpet that they would come down. Um, I just remember that one standing out a little bit. It, it was simple, but it was effective. Mm-hmm. Um, least favorite stage? I would have to say it was probably the... Uh, the first um, LED HD friendly stage that they began to use for every single show, uh, mostly because uh, along with that, any kind of originality. Because when all the stages look the same, then well, what am I watching this for? You know, it kind of takes you. It, it begins to take you out of. And I do like. Um, I do like AEW stage. But I, I don't like that giant chandelier looking thing. I, it's, it's like an eyesore to me. That's like a, like when you create a stage on uh, in 2K. And they're just like, okay, let's just put this random thing there. And they're like, okay, let me just put it there. Yeah, it, it looks like it wants a chandelier and it's just not. Also, um, I don't know if you guys remember WrestleMania 20. Um, that had a pretty elaborate stage set up with like the... Uh, with the graphics on the floor and like the actual city itself, um, probably the most iconic entrance that night was Kane because the the actual city graphic went on fire. Yeah. So that was I think that was pretty cool. That was outside of the usual WrestleMania setup, you know, to where for MSU shows back then they used to just use the side entrance where the basketball players used to come out of, put put a video screen there. Mm-hmm. And it was like a set of revolving doors, and it would just uh, double-sided doors, yeah. and it would just, and that, and then that was it. Like WrestleMania twenty is the first time they actually utilized like MSG for like a, a like a nice big stage. Yeah, it kind of, and then again, I mean, when you think about that last moment, you see Benoit, you see Eddie hugging, you know, hugging it out and all that stuff. You see competitive everywhere and everything like that. It set that whole stage, I guess. If you saw that now, it would have been like. Okay, there's so much void, so much space there. It's just kind of like, okay. Like, you see, let's say, all the big memorable moments in wrestling, of course. Like, you see, let's say, like, uh, Brian winning the title at WrestleMania 30. But right behind him, you see the triple X's, all three X's right there. You see WrestleMania 30, big WrestleMania logo right there. Memorable. You think of it, it's this picture, you know, picture in your in your head right there. Sticks it right there, you know. But now it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like you see these things, it's like, okay, so what? You know, maybe a little thing here and there, maybe like a little, you know, a fan there getting angry or something like that. But beyond that, nothing really original. So it's kind of like, you know, it kind of loses. I mean, uh, even back then, uh, if you guys were the in your house set up, uh, like, you know, it was more, more or less like a makeshift house. 
that was like the first kind of time that they tried to uh, play with it a little bit. Yeah. You know, after the first one, um, they had uh, like a random, like a deal with like a random person watching the event could actually win a house, which I think was the inspiration at the time, Shit, if I'm not mistaken. Crazy. The person could win a house, like, that's crazy. That's wild shit, though. That's like, you know, I think it's kind of like, it's, and I think one thing that's another thing, too, is it's not like WWE, I think, purposely thinks about these things. They probably started out with something, and then they kind of just went on to a different tangent, and then started to become this thing. But now it seems like all they're trying to do now is just, okay, let's just focus on the program. Let's just focus on the actual things that are going on. It doesn't matter what's there. We'll add a little couple of fancy graphics. It's the same bullshit. No, it's not. It's different. There's a feel to it. It's not the same anymore, you know? But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we talked pretty much about all the different stage setups that are going on. If we talk about all the different things, before we go, last thing. Promotion that probably had the best stage sets overall. In your mind, who do you think that is? We'll start uh, with, let's start with reverse. In terms of company or? Company, company. Let's start about, like, a wrestling company, ECW, WCW, AEW. You can start with now, in the past, you know. I think I think probably the most iconic stage would either be maybe the, uh, the old school Raw Titantron or the SmackDown Fist. I think I have to get the edge to the SmackDown Fist. SmackDown Fist. Is that the uh, in in the end of the day, it's iconic, it's yeah. memorable. Uh, almost everybody wants WWE to bring it back. Yeah, you heard the demand when SmackDown was going to debut on Fox. Like, oh my God, they're bringing back the Fist, this and, which didn't actually happen, but. You know, that was that was maybe the first time that uh, maybe people actually stopped and looked and they were like, oh, shit, you know, this is something cool. Um, did there need to be two video screens? All right, probably not. But the it made the fist stand out a little bit more. Yeah, that's a fact. And I think it's just the same thing. It kind of, again, some memory that attached to that stage, you know. Um, I mean, for me, I, th I think the big thing for me, the probably the best promotion, that promotion that's probably the best stage, um, I would say probably it's the indie. I'm thinking between ROH and thinking PWG. Just in the fact that they were so, like, basic and just rudimentary, but at the same time, it was something that just kind of added back, you know, that extra element, like, okay, this is something different. Compared to, like, let's say, like, CZW, or even less than CZW. CZW, you see the barbed wire, you see that stuff, you see the logos and stuff like that. Walking in there, you know, okay... This is an ultra-violent kind of thing. And then also all this kind of stuff with the, you know, the small screen, you know, the ramps and stuff like that. They added that feel into it. So now, of course, you know, it kind of brings in that, oh, well, you know, this is just wrestling in, you know, high school gyms. I think it's just more than that. This is actually, like, just a program. They're starting off. It kind of adds a humble kind of atmosphere that's like, oh, shit. All these big wrestlers that I ever fought, fought in these kind of venues, in this small kind of setup. And now you look at them, they're fighting on this big stage, you know, LEDs, you know, all this other stuff. Everything is all, you know, scaled, everything, you know, compared to what they were doing from the very beginning. High school gyms, small setup, small ramp, small everything, not even a TV screen. And now they have this, like, you know, to, to think now, like, 10, 15, 20 years later, they're actually at a big stage, filled in an arena. Well, not the, but the time now, but, you know, they have their name plastered all over the LED board and everything like that in full big letters, and there's a personalized logo and all stuff. That kind of sticks to me, so for me, that's one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. I mean, um, you know, 
Yeah. It's it's something that's always going to be around. It's, it's never going to go away as yeah. long as they still have TV shows, as long as pay-per-views are still around. Yeah. The stage is always going to be an iconic part of the set. Right. Um, it, it adds to the show uh, whether they intend to do it or not. Um, mm. And I think it's just something that maybe it's become a lost art over time. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think that uh, it, it gets the attention or the love mm-hmm. that perhaps that it should. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's it's not really acknowledged as much as it once was. Yeah. You know, uh, but I can't I can't say my enjoyment of the Attitude Era shows. You know, the the, the stage didn't factor into that somewhat. Okay. It helped get over the feel of the show. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's true. Rich, what about you? Like, promotion at the best stage, or the best stage that stood out to you the most? Well, to me, the one stage that sticks out the most to, to recent memory was the stage when Seth cashed in at WrestleMania and it turned into a triple threat. Just for the fact when he was waving the belt around with the pyro going off right behind him, to me, it just had, like, the perfect photo memory for yeah. someone yeah snapshot memory right there that's it yeah you see him swinging the belt i mean one of the big things i think we can all say about this the pyro the goddamn pyro that's what helped that one picture made it exactly more memorable for people that's right i mean compared to 35 35 was just like a small thing it was like okay like all right whatever but then you see 31 that was like the big stage you know it had sense and there was a pyro going out the pyro going off that was a whole thing, like, holy shit, like, you know, this is something to be memorable about. So, it kind of brings up that whole thing. I think the stage is a big part of the show, but then the show is also a big part of the stage, and then that all connects to one big thing, you know? And that's an experience right there. That's what we go for. So, whether it's a Tony Hawk, you know, style arena, where they just had, like, you know, ramps and stuff like that, to, like, the fist, to, you know, the chain links and all that stuff, and, you know, all these other props that they, you know, bring into it. Glass planes, you know, tables, chairs, ladders. You know, hanging from like a big ass thing or whatever. It all makes sense. Now that I'm also thinking about it, just imagine if that same WrestleMania, Seth Cash is in, but it's inside. It wouldn't have that same feel. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also one of those things like versus, let's say, like an open arena versus a closed arena. Of course, that makes a big difference. Like you see wrestlers say, like, that it's kind of like when they're in an open arena, like a 29, WrestleMania 29, or WrestleMania 31, where it's like, oh, you know, like a stadium. It's hard to kind of get that feel because it's like all that just shoots up in the air and that's it. You don't really get the response. Whereas if it's like a closed dome arena or something like that, okay, you can get the feedback. You see what's going on, this kind of stuff. But I think now we just moved away from that. It's like, okay, you know what? There's no need for that. As long as the fans are enjoying themselves, fuck it. That's all that matters. But, yeah. I mean, that's... that's it's the atmosphere, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's the atmosphere. Indeed, indeed, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. Again, it's just, you know, we, the, we always talk about this. Stage sets are very important. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, yeah, we just talked about all the different stage sets going on, different promotions also. We didn't forget about you, not just WWE. Um, but also, you know where else you can also get other promotions, not just WWE? You guys know? Uh, Pro Wrestling Opinion? Yes, yes. Three letters. PWO, Pro Wrestling Opinion. So you can also look at, like I said, again, the same thing. I always talk about this all the time. I mean, I'll lay it out right now. Nick, of course, you got to explain this, but let me explain my story. So, I mean, of course, I, when I was in school, I would sit down there. I couldn't actually pull up the actual program. Teacher could see and everything. Or, you know, kids behind me would be like, move the fucking laptop. Let me fucking see what's going on. You know, I don't want to be in this class. So what do I do? 
instead of actually pulling up the screen, like instead of pulling up the whole program like an idiot trying to find a link, go on to PWO, actually p pick up all the different things right there, and literally just reading, just by reading, mind you guys, reading. It's fundamental, it's a fundamental skill, it's very important. Literally, as I'm in class, I'm able to actually see the program in my head as it's going on, very descriptive, very elite, like I said, from, the, from one moment to the next moment. And it kind of connects right there, and it makes me more excited so that when I get home, I can actually watch the program. Okay, boom, damn, made that connection. Like, holy shit, this is pretty interesting. And then, you know, it gets it right there. So, but I mean, we got that very individual's own, I guess, creator, right? Before, yeah. before he explains it more in detail, Yeah. what time is it, Sal? Tagline, man, tagline. Reading is fundamental. Reading about wrestling puts you over. Micro. And with that being said, let's bring in the gentleman who runs that website to explain more in detail about the website. Here he is, Nicholas Jason Lopez. Well, yes, I think they've gotten accustomed to my voice over the past hour. Yeah. Um, yes, for all you wrestling fans... Uh, uh, extraordinaires, whatever you want to deem yourselves. Uh, pro Wrestling Opinion is your home, your go-to source for pro wrestling news, reviews, all that, and under the sun. Uh, I've done interviews. I've actually, I had the privilege of doing interview with uh, Glacier. Yes, that Glacier. Um, That's went a on drop. For about a, a half hour. Uh, talked about the uh, WCW, his big entrance, the uh, the storyline, uh, the Blood Runs Cold storyline. So if you're really big into wrestling of that time period, you should go on and check it out. Um, we've also done old school reviews uh, of every single show from 2015 2016. Good half of 2017. Uh, West Coast Wrestling Connection, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling. NXT, SmackDown, Raw, basically any anything that's uh, ROH, uh, anything that counts as wrestling on, on the main circuit, a little bit of the independence, and if you're really feeling old school, I even have uh, a wrestling syndicate, which is way back when, but you know, if, if, uh, if that's what you fancy, go for it, because you have a lot of time now, so you can go ahead and, and catch up. But yeah, I mean, I guess, like I said, we just nailed it. Of course, you can also find all of our other podcasts on PW also. We're also on a lot of different po uh, platforms on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, Bullhorn, iHeartRadio Podcast, and a whole lot more. Stitcher, I think on uh, Podbean. There's different kinds of podcasts that we're on. Um, and we're platforms. on 25 different platforms. And counting and still going. So definitely that's one of the And things. on top of that, we're also being listened to in other countries countries so we're so, global unlike yeah. the other podcast we're global we're global that's right we spell wrestling but not only that we're also global so that's one of the other things they can say five years strong we're still going again we're also putting up new content also uh rich runs quote me rich and me co-run the um the instagram page the facebook page but also like i said twitter twitter that's all rich right there you know you can check that out also um but also, like I said, we have a whole bunch of other content coming out. Also, we don't gotta forget. Also, we don't we, we don't got we, we also gotta mention this, the bugle, of course, Nick. Yes, the music yeah, bugle. The music bugle, man. Station head. I know, man. 
trying to get on there. The moment that they have this have on, to, yeah, the moment that they get on there, the moment that they have Station Head on Mac and PC, definitely, I'm down to do a show with that. It's just the problem is looking at it logistically, it's not working out for us right now. We can't distribute this all over our different uh, platforms, you know. So that's one of the things. But we're hoping to do that soon. But you gotta tell us about the Bugle, man. Yeah, the Music Beagle is my site uh, for all your music needs. Um, you can discover new artists, see music videos, hear about new single, up-and-coming artists from genres such as metal, uh, country, pop, uh, independent, uh, indies, as they call it, mm-hmm. uh, alternative, alternative rock, um, and we're also global. Uh a huge percentage of our audience comes from the Philippines and in Indonesia. So over there on that side of the world, Eagle is their home. That's what that's where they want to go. And uh, over time, I've done interviews with some artists such as Fences, uh, Santa Cruz, Court Carpenter, Nick Curran. The list just goes on and on and on, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. Uh, so do feel free to check that out. Uh, Actually, today I just put up the interview with uh, Nicholas Alavanos of The Bittersweet, which is a band out in Greece. And as you know, uh, over there in Europe, they're getting pretty hit pretty hard by the coronavirus pandemic. So they do talk a little bit about that. They talk about their music. Uh, they put up a music video for the song called Shit. And uh, I, got, I don't know if it describes most of our situations, but uh, it's a pretty relatable song. Uh, so if you're into that kind of thing, Feel free to check that out. There's a world of music just waiting to be heard. And uh, once you click on Music Bugle, it opens up a whole different avenue. Definitely. I have a question. Are you going to be getting an interview with the amazing singer Sammy Guevara? My, my sources are working on it as we speak. Um, they're fiercely calling its hotline, uh, but we can't get through for some reason. Oh, um, you you don't know you have to hit him up on Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, but he's not gay, and fortunately, uh, all the wig stores are closed. So that was going to be my next elaborate plan. I have to try to dress up like a woman. Maybe I'll get his attention that way. His rendition of Judas is amazing. Yeah. Oh, hands down, the best I ever heard. I, and I and I actually I'm starting a. I would like Sammy Guevara's version of Judas to officially become Chris Jericho's theme song. I mean, yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and I agree with that too. I think it's also one of the things, I think it's not just wrestling, but then also there's other worlds out there, other kind of platforms, other kind of things that are beyond just wrestling. But that's one of the things too. Wrestling fans aren't just interested in just wrestling, but there's also things that we're interested in as well beyond just that. So if you talk about music, bugle music, talk about all this other stuff, social media, you know, technology, all this other stuff. There's a whole bunch of other things. There's a wide scope of things that wrestling fans are into. So, definitely, we're going to be branching out into that too soon. You never know, you know? So, Sound my hi-hack. Hit me up on IG.